You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Red Leg Nation Radio podcast. I'm your host, Chad Dotson. Thanks for joining us again today. Um, got an interesting uh, menu of items uh on the docket for us here today. This is not going to be a very long podcast, and we're joined today by no one. It's just me today. So I guess if you want to uh, stop listening right now because you're disappointed that we don't have any uh, interesting guests this week, now's the time to shut it off. Otherwise, let's hop into what's going on in Red Leg Nation this week. As always, interesting uh, things going on around this team, even when they're going bad. one thing I wanted to ask you to take a look at if you're interested. I don't know why you wouldn't be, frankly. Uh, Steve Price, one of our editors at RedLegNation.com, he's been doing a series of what we've called Red Leg Trade Reviews. And he's gone back to Christy Matthewson in the early part of the century and look at the big trades in Cincinnati Reds history. We're going to put a page up, up and link it to all these Red Leg Trade Reviews. But uh, he's been doing them uh, pretty much every day, and they are just absolutely fantastic. I urge each of you to go check those out. Uh, the most recent one is uh, talking about what a lot of us call the trade. And you remember the trade with the Nationals where the Reds received Gary Majeski and Bill Bray, uh, among others, uh, Royce Clayton, Brendan Harris, Daryl Thompson, etc., uh, in exchange for Austin Kearns, Felipe Lopez, and Ryan Wagner. So uh, be sure to check that out. That was one of the big uh, midseason deals. Uh, over the past uh, few years, certainly, uh, and pretty good, interesting uh, take on it that Steve gives us. Uh, it's a really fun to kind of look back at that one, the way we looked at it at the time, and the way we look at that now. Since we're talking about big trades, well, let's go ahead and uh, mention just very briefly, we've talked about the Scott Rowland deal uh, a million times. We certainly wish Scott Rowland uh, the best of luck. He needs to get uh, healthy and get back on the field. They say that you know he had that concussion, he was hitting the head with a pitch, and we're told that he's recovering fairly well, starting to take bat and practice, uh, getting back out on the field a little bit. So we hope he's going to be back in the Reds lineup very soon, regardless of what you think about the trade. Certainly you don't. Uh, we need Scott Rowland uh, in the lineup. He's, he's a Red now, and, and we absolutely need him out there. And with respect to what do you think about the Scott Rowland trade, I guess we're going to go ahead and uh, place the final nail uh, in that coffin. By just going ahead and, and talking about the poll that we had up at Red Leg Nation, obviously not scientific, but... Um, we asked, as we mentioned on our last podcast, what do you think about the Scott Rowland trade? With 42%, which is a pretty uh, pretty big number, uh, 42% selected, Rowland's not worth three players, especially two very talented young pitchers. Second place with 23% was that Reds management has sunk to the level of Cincinnati Bengals management, clueless. So you got a total of 65% there that uh, pretty strongly uh, against the Scott Rowland trade. 21%, probably the smartest of all of us, uh, voted uh, too soon to tell. Um, And then at 10%, Reds got the better of this deal. And then finally 4% say, love it. Veteran leadership wins the World Series next year. So you've got 65% uh, saying uh, bad deal. You've got 14% saying good deal. And the remaining 21% saying Give us some time. It's too soon. So um, thanks for everyone that participated in that survey. Go check out the latest poll up at redlegnation.com. We'll talk about the results of that one on the next podcast, and that's the question that has been on our mind all year. Um, I'm 100% positive as to what I think uh, 
the answer to this one is going to turn out to be. The question is, where will Willie Tavares be on opening day 2010? And your uh, choices are comfortably in center field and leading off for the Reds on the Reds roster, but not an everyday, everyday starter on another major league team out of baseball or in the minor leagues. So you can go uh, to redlegnation.com, check out the left sidebar and vote in that one. So uh, closing the book on the Scott Rowland trade with that poll, but that doesn't mean we're finished with trade talk. Obviously in this last week, Alex Gonzalez, our uh, shortstop, traded to Boston. Now, uh, I'm not a fan of the Red Sox. Uh, matter of fact, they're uh, probably among my two least favorite teams. But I do have a fairly healthy respect for uh, Theo Epstein, the general manager up there, and for what they've been doing in Boston, certainly employing Bill James uh, as a way to soften my heart towards uh, the Red Sox, but I still can't stand them. And after today's uh, trade, I, number one, I love the Red Sox now. They've taken Alex Gonzalez off our hands. Number two, uh, I'm really wondering what they were thinking. I mean, I know that they've had a disaster with respect to shortstop up there this year, and they're still trying to compete right now, not leading even in the wild card race. So they didn't miss the playoffs if we started today. So... I mean, I kind of understand where they're coming from, needing a shortstop. But um, maybe it's just the fact that nobody in the Northeast pays any attention to what's going on in Cincinnati. But uh, Gonzalez, who was a pretty decent shortstop in back in 06 when he played for Boston. Obviously, he left there as a free agent and, and signed with Cincinnati. And that uh, free agent signing absolutely just didn't work out. Too many injuries. And then, of course, when he wasn't injured, his performance was not up to par. Um, so it really... A, Sad tenure in Cincinnati for Alex Gonzalez. Um, he was traded on August the 14th for a 23-year-old shortstop guy named Chris Negron, who was uh, picked in the seventh round of that uh, 2006 draft. Of course, he's still in uh, single-A ball. And uh, to take Gonzalez's place on the roster, Reds called up Kevin Barker. I'm a Kevin Barker fan. Kevin Barker's not a prospect. He's a he's sort of one of these what they type, tend to call quadruple-A players, 4A players. Um, he's spent some time in the bigs, but he, his time in Louisville, he's been fantastic. He's a homer after homer, and I'm just glad to see him get a chance to play in the major leagues once more before his career's over. But uh, that's really uh, irrelevant at this point. What about Alex Gonzalez? Uh, you know, why does Boston want him? Um, who cares? He's no longer a Red. I mean, it was pretty obvious that he probably wasn't going to be re-signed anyway in the offseason, but still... You know, at least we don't have to watch him for the next couple months because for all his um, defensive wizard, defensive wizardry, I guess, uh, in the past, uh, his defense has slipped. He was a below-average defensive player, and certainly with, with, it was between him and Willie Tavares competing for, uh, with a couple other guys, for the worst hitter, uh, the title of being the worst hitter in the entire majors over the year. Really, just, he's been brutal. He's just not been able to really get anything going this year. Uh, unfortunately, we still have Tavares. Um, but Gonzalez is gone, which is an interesting um, development in Red Leg Nation. Now, what do the Reds do going forward? Obviously, Paul Yonish and is going to be playing shortstop for most of the rest of the season, unless Dusty decides that, uh, unless Dusty remembers Dusty Baker that he hates uh, Paul Yonish and decides to put him back on the bench and not let him play for a few weeks like he's been doing uh, often. I think you'll see Rosal Adam Rosales, and I think you'll see Drew Sutton get some reps at shortstop as well, but I expect Giannis to get the majority of the playing time. Um, but this is a lost season. You know, we're just the middle of August, but still, uh, there's no question that it's a lost season. So we need to look at going forward. What are the Reds going to do to plug up that huge hole at shortstop? 
Well, news came uh, through this week that the Reds are interested in uh, one Bill Hall. Uh, Bill Hall, of course, recently released by the Milwaukee Brewers. And, you know, if you've followed the Reds over the last few years, you absolutely know who Bill Hall is. Because it seems like, uh, when you talk about Reds killers, um, it's amazing that Bill Hall's name would be up on a list with guys like uh, Lance Berkman and Roy Oswalt and some of these other guys that just kill the Reds. Uh, Bill Hall's been one that's just absolutely um, pounded the Reds in big situations uh, for the last several seasons. Well, the Reds evidently, uh, Walt Jockety has noted that he is interested in Bill Hall, seeing if he could uh, maybe pick him up. And My question is, why? You know, uh, yes, he's killed the Reds, but he's killed no one else the last two years. His on-base percentage is the last two years for Bill Hall, 265 and 293. Now, I mean, come on. Um, just because he hits well against the Reds, uh, well, don't we have enough players who can't get on base? I mean, seriously. I just I can't understand the thinking of this organization. They've already got a manager who wants to lead off the top two guys with the worst on-base percentages on the team, uh, which is really hampering the offense. Uh, not that the offense really uh, could, <laughs> you know. Well, we'll talk about the offense in a moment. The, uh, the offense is not uh, thats not the only thing wrong with the offense, I guess is what I'm trying to say. The fact that Tavares and recently Gonzalez, before he was traded, were leading off. But why do you want to add Bill Hall? And where does he play? You know, I just don't, uh, uh, I don't get it. I don't get it. So, but there's lots of things I don't get about what the Reds are doing. Uh, certainly, they've got more information than I do about what's happening in, uh, with these players and who, who they think will help the, the team. They've got more information, and so you give them the benefit of the doubt. But uh, with Walt Jockety, if he signs Bill Hall, in addition to handing out a two-year contract to Willie Tavares, you got to start to wonder whether he really is capable of evaluating talent and deciding who the Reds need that'll really help them win. Okay. We're not to that point yet. I think Jockey's still, he's been here uh, over a year and a half, but he's had some time, but he's still, you know, I'm not one of these guys that call for somebody's head every time they make a bad deal. But this week, Red Lake Nation took a, our editors took a position on what we think should happen with that shortstop spot. And that is, the Reds absolutely yesterday should move Brandon Phillips over to shortstop. Really, that's the best way we feel, and certainly I feel personally, that the Reds can address the shortstop hole in the offseason. You know, Brandon Phillips started as shortstop, of course. Let's let's be clear, he's a fantastic, simply an outstanding defensive second baseman. I don't think there's any question in anyone's mind that he could handle the spot defensively. He's probably not going to be as good defensively, certainly uh, when you compare him to his peers, as he was at second base, because obviously he won the gold glove last year, so there's an argument uh, that he's the best defensive second baseman, certainly in the National League. Um, well, you got Orlando Hudson and uh, Chase Utley are right up there as well uh, as good players, but at shortstop, he's still going to be pretty doggone good. If you've watched him at second, you know he's got a ton of range. I mean, it was kind of silly watching him next to Gonzalez this year, because Phillips's range was all over the place. He got to everything, and of course Gonzalez could barely move left and right. So I don't have any doubts that Phillips can handle the uh, the job at second base, whether his arm's good enough. Well, we don't have to see to that about that. Uh, but the thing is, now's the time to find out. This is a lost season. Why not move him over there, test him out for a couple months, and see if he can handle it? If he can, what you've got is, first of all, his bat becomes more valuable. 
at shortstop. His bat will compare more favorably, even if his glove doesn't compare as, quite as favorably at shortstop uh, amongst his peers, other shortstops around the league. His bat will make him a much more valuable shortstop because uh, good hitting shortstops are hard to find. Um, and so I think he becomes a more valuable player to the Reds, certainly. Um, and plus, it's a little easier to find a second baseman that can handle the position and and uh, and can uh, hit well enough to make it in in the major leagues. There's just more of those around. And as a matter of fact, I think the Reds have one that ought to be the starting second baseman uh, next year. Uh, they're playing Double A right now and learning the second base position. But that's Todd Frazier, who I think is just going to be a stud prospect one of these days. Uh, one of the stars of uh, Little League World Champion uh, team uh, from New Jersey a few years back. He's Looking really good, uh, you know, hitting well at Double A. Um, he was drafted as a shortstop, uh, and he is six three, two fifteen, so he's kind of got some size. Uh, I always thought he'd end up a third base, basically. A lot of other guys uh, at Red Lake Nation thought he'd end up uh, left field or right field, um, but I think he's the second baseman of the future because he's going to hit, and he should be able to handle the position. Uh, he was, as we said, drafted as a shortstop, and of course, we've, even if you're not good enough to play shortstop, uh, I think he's got the skills. From what I've seen, and I have watched him play a couple times, uh, and from all this, what the scouts say, that he'll be able to handle that position. So, uh, and then you got Brandon Phillips and Todd Frazier up the middle, which is a pretty decent hitting uh, combo up the middle that could compare favorably once Frazier is uh, acclimates to the major leagues and hits uh, and starts nearing his peak in terms of performance. It could be a pretty good double play combo. Uh, now, as you know, Phillips was a shortstop from 1999 to 2002 in the Cleveland organization. I mean. Um, it's not like he's never played the position uh, before. Um, and then in, in 2004, even, he split time between shortstop and second base. They moved him over to second base pretty much because Omar Vizquel was in, in Cleveland uh, th- through 2004. And so there was a you know roadblock there. And then, of course, Johnny Peralta took over in 2005. So he had, you know, five and a half years basically playing shortstop in the minors and some of the majors um, before he came to Cincinnati. So, and he, but you know, it's hard to crack through when you got some guys ahead of you that can play. So, I wonder if the Reds are already considering moving him. Uh, Phillips has indicated he would be willing to make the move, um, unless he was just uh, saying that for public consumption because he's got enough bad press this year. But I just, uh, I don't see any reason not to move him back for the rest of this year. Let him uh, see if he can handle the job. If he can, really, you you make yourself a, a lot stronger team next year immediately because the Reds don't have anyone in the minors that I can see that capable of uh, hitting and uh, playing defense at shortstop uh, to step in next year. Paul Giannis is not going to be able to hit. Paul Giannis is a great defensive shortstop, and you know I just don't see him being able to hit, although he's had some decent on-base percentages at times in the minors. Um, I think that the uh, Phillips-Frazier double play combo starting next year would be uh, would be pretty good. And, you know, be one of the answers for next year. There's several things that Reds have to answer, but it would it would go a long way towards um, showing that there's going to be some kind of plan in place uh, to improve the club. And of course, um, you know, let some focus on left field and center field uh, for a change because those are, should be the uh, those would be the weak spots if the Reds could get rid of uh, that hole at shortstop. So let us know what you think at uh, redlegnation.com. Uh, of course, we've talked about it there, and then all you guys have uh, contributed to that conversation quite a bit. I think a lot of people believe that there's no reason not to at least try it this year. If it doesn't work out over the next couple months, well, you know what? 
Moving back to uh, second base, if you can find a good shortstop on the free agent market, I don't think there are any available, and there's certainly no shortstops in the Reds minors that are ready to step in next year. I love a guy, Zach Cozart, down at AA. Um, just a sweet fielder. I mean, we're talking gold glove caliber um, defense, uh, whether he's going to hit or not. Although he's had a pretty good year hitting this year, but it's the first time he's really he's taken a big step up, and uh, he's certainly not really going to be ready next year. Down the line, he could be a, a candidate. But give it a shot, Walt Jockety, Dusty Baker, moving to second base, moving to Brandon Phillips to shortstop. Let's see what we've got there. All right, what else is going on uh, in, in Cincinnati Reds land? Uh, a lot of frustration. Obviously, the Reds keep losing. It's uh, been a pretty ugly, pretty ugly, well, couple of months here for Reds fans. That's sort of come to a head recently. We're losing three or four to the worst team in the majors, the Washington Nationals. Although the Nationals have been playing pretty good lately, let's be let's be honest, they made the Reds look pretty poor. Um, and you know, yeah, they lost. The Reds lost three in a row uh, after winning the first game of that series. And um, you'd feel better if they were competing. They're making mental mistakes. They're not competing well. It's been a frustrating time. And you know, you got to turn on the the TV and you uh, or go to the ball yard. And I can't imagine if I'd gone to the ballpark on Sunday and looked up and saw the lineup. Uh, I mean, listen to this lineup. I, it's just Willie Tavares leading off in center field. Drew Sutton, second base. Joey Votto hitting third, first base. Johnny Gomes, right field, hitting cleanup. Vladimir Ballantine, left field, batting fifth. Adam Rosales, third base, batting sixth. Paul Yanish at shortstop. Ryan Hannigan at catcher. And Justin Lair pitching. Now, I like a lot of those guys. A lot of them are guys that I wouldn't mind having on the Reds bench and having around the Reds organization for a while. I think Drew Sutton has got a chance to be a pretty good little player for the Reds. Uh, maybe even a, a guy that could hold down second base full-time eventually. Uh, he's got a little bit of a bat. Uh, he's not ready now. Uh, Johnny Gomes has been, a, been great, become one of my favorite players. But, you know, uh, he's Johnny Gomes. Um, I don't have too big a problem with that. Obviously, Votto batting third. Yes, please. I'll take that for the next 10 years. Uh, Vladimir Ballantine. Batting fifth. Now, I think Ballantine's looked pretty good since he's been in Cincinnati. And I think he's got some talent. He's got those tools that Jim Bowden used to love back in the day. Uh, but is he a number five hole top hitter in the major league right now? No. This is a guy that may develop into a decent little player. I, I, I think that was a pretty good trade by Walt Jockety, uh, getting him for Robert Manuel. Manuel's uh, is what he is um, and may be a def- decent reliever down the line, but I think Ballantine's got a chance to be a pretty good uh, everyday player. I'd make that deal again. I think that was a good move by Jockety. Adam Rosales at third. I'm a, I'm as big a Rosales fan as you're going to find, but, uh, you know, <laughs> he's been terrible this year. I thought he'd come up and, and at least hit enough to be a decent uh, backup option, bench-type player for the next few years. He's not hit at all. And besides that, his defense, which is was reputed to be pretty good in the minor leagues, has been fairly atrocious, frankly. So, um, Giannis can't hit much. Uh, good, great defensive player. He's been making some spectacular plays, though, since Gonzalez has been, was traded. Give him that. Um, Ryan Hannigan, can't have any complaints with what Hannigan's doing, but, you know, and just on a layer pitch. And if you look at that, those guys and, and show me that lineup back in April and say, this is going to be your lineup in the middle of August, I think I probably would have jumped off a bridge or something. I, really, I think that may be the worst lineup I've ever seen the Reds put on a field. Um, yeah, put that starting nine in a, in a uh, one of these, uh, simulated games or something you know they probably wouldn't win 40 games over a full season so very frustrating very frustrating i always feel i'm sick of this feeling that we've had over the last nine years you get to this point in the season and the reds start calling up the um 
you know, the uh, Mike Franks of the world. That uh, you know, these guys that uh, heard from late in the year and never heard from again. You know, uh, Justin Lair, who's been pretty good. Don't have a problem with him, but you know, he's about seventy years old and he's not in the long term, long range plans for the Reds. Uh, I wish him the best. Hope he has a lot of uh, good success throughout the end of this year. And you know, maybe he's uh, an option for the bullpen or something next year. But he's not. Uh, if he's in the Reds' future plan in the rotation, then we're, we've got problems. Um, just because he's, again, he's he's old and we know what he can do on the major league level. You don't see people turning around at age uh, 32 or whatever he is right now. So, uh, But I'm just sick of this late in the season, bringing up these guys that, you know, and this is a two, two or three straight years where specifically there are things they could do to learn more about their team for next year and to help prepare for next year. But instead, they're playing out the string. I don't know if uh, they're still hoping they can get to 500. It's impossible, Walt Jockety. It's impossible, Bob Castellini. They're not going to get to 500. Uh, so why don't you play Drew Stubbs in center field? See what he can do. Give him some time to get acclimated to the majors. And you know what? Guess what? He uh, Maybe he'll be more prepared for opening day next year. Uh, although I'm not going to reveal my what my vote was on the where will Willie Tavares be on opening day 2010. But I'll tell you this. I don't think Drew, Sutton will, or excuse me, Drew Stubbs will be the opening day center fielder for the Reds next year, whether he deserves to or not. Or Chris Heisey, one of the, you know, he may be even better. Um, although Stubbs is just defensively a gold glove caliber as well, better than Tavares right now. And he's going to hit better than Tavares too, even if he doesn't hit very well. It doesn't take much to hit better than Tavares. So. But anyway, I'm just uh, tired of it. I'm sick of it. Uh, Mike Howells, one of our other editors, Relignation, did a uh, did some research and found that this Reds offense this year is well, frankly, it's not the worst in Reds history, but it's probably top two, probably the worst. Uh, there's maybe only been one worse offense. Well, 1951, you have to go back to 1951. Uh, 82 was close, and the Reds' 2003 offense actually was fairly close, but 1951 is the only offense that the Reds have had that's demonstrably worse than this year's Reds offense. Um, so this year, it's bad, and the pitching has been not great, but it's been better than the Reds have had in a while, but what can you do if you can't score any runs? You know, Aaron Harang uh, will throw seven good innings, give up two runs, but they, all these pitchers feel like they got to be perfect. So, very uh, discouraging. But, but you know, I, my goal has always been to try to be positive on these podcasts, try to be a little upbeat and having a hard time right now. But um, let's talk about, uh, and this is going to make, I know, it's going to make 50% of you mad, but... Uh, Adam Dunn was obviously just made his return trip to Cincinnati and can't help but think we could use Adam Dunn right now uh, with that offense being so poor. Many of you don't believe that, and, and probably all of you, heck, even I believe that uh, we beat this uh, dead horse way too often at Red Lake Nation. But you know what? It's fun. It gets people riled up. <laughs> you know, uh, one of our other editors, Bill, posted a, a post that says basically, uh, talking about Adam Dunn, uh, for the series, Dunn was on base 12 times. This is the series against the Reds here recently. Home run, single, two doubles, six walks, two hit by pitches. Um, and, you know, had some very uh, glowing comments from his manager talking about him. And, of course, obviously he's hitting 285 this year. With, and his OPS is over 1,000. Um, you know, and uh, but Bill just posted that. And, you know, like that, you got 50 comments. Uh, you know, and then and, and still going. Um over 60, almost 70 now, and uh, that's the, you know, all you got to do is mention Adam Dunn's name, and I've never seen a player so, uh, just, uh, you know, 
people are so hot and cold, uh, one way or the other. You either love him or you hate him. There's no middle ground with Adam Dunn. Uh, all the editors at Red Lake Nation love him. Uh, wish he were still in Cincinnati. And, but uh, when he comes back to Cincinnati, playing for the Nationals or whoever else he ends up with, I would prefer if he didn't have this kind of a good series uh, in the future. Uh, love you to death, Dunn. You're still my favorite uh, player that's in the majors right now. But don't do that against uh, against our good guys. Something to be positive about. There is something uh, to be positive about uh, right now. And the Reds just recently announced top two draft picks were signed yesterday officially. Uh, and of course, there have been the rumors that earlier, a few days ago, that they had been uh, signed or waiting on physical things like that. But it's official now. Reds signed their top two uh, draft picks of the 2009 first-year player draft. Um, Mike Leake, of course, was the first-round pick. Uh, eighth selection overall in the first round. Uh, he's a right-handed pitcher from Arizona State University, uh, 21 years old, and uh, first collegiate pitcher selected by the Reds in the opening round since we mentioned him earlier, Ryan Hannick, excuse me, Ryan Wagner back in 2003. Um, and of course, he follows Alonzo, Mazzarocco, Stubbs, and Bruce as first-round picks of the Reds uh, over the last few years, uh, and then Homer Bailey before that. So. Mike Leake is signed, sealed, and delivered. We'll see how much they let him pitch the rest of the year. He threw quite a few innings for Arizona State, who went all the way to the College World Series, as did my alma mater, the University of Virginia Cavaliers. Had to mention that. Um, and so he's pitched quite a bit. Second round, uh, well, it's actually not second round. I say this, are uh, first two picks, uh, Brad Boxberger, right-handed pitcher out of University of Southern California, he uh, was actually a supplemental first-round pick, so not actually second round. He's also 21 years old. Uh, he was selected 43rd overall. And, of course, he uh, all-packed in player uh, for the Trojans of the University of South Carolina. South Carolina. Well, you can tell I'm a Southerner, can't you? That's the University of Southern California. All right, both uh, Leak and Boxberger, I think, are going to make an appearance at Great American Ballpark, and then they're going to send them out. Uh, we'll see where they go. I expect Sarasota for both of them, but we'll see. Um, I think Leak, I got to watch him pitch quite a bit, and he's fairly well-developed. Uh, really, I'm pretty pleased with that pick by the Reds. thought it was a very strong – I thought both these guys are strong picks based on what they bring. I love taking a good college pitcher um, with talent. Leak, Leak is a winner. Uh, I think Reds are fans Barring injury, of course, are going to be very happy with him. So it'd be interesting to watch how how much they let him pitch this year. Whether they shut him down early to kind of try to keep the stress off his arm, or whether uh, they let him get a few innings under his belt, and we'll see where he starts next year. Uh, both those guys as well. All right. So that's uh, I think you know we got, we're always looking at the future. Unfortunately, with this organization, and those are two guys that could make their future um, a happy one for we Reds fans who are staring down the barrel of a decade of losing. Um, We've been all year saying that we think maybe next year or the year now. Not so sure, but uh, I certainly hope Walt Jockety's right that the Reds can compete next year and will compete. As for this season, we've got the San Francisco series uh, at home before the Reds head out on the road again at Pittsburgh, at Milwaukee. So, you know, San Francisco's a good team. Milwaukee's been struggling. They're a pretty good team. Pittsburgh, you'd think, would be some wins there, but we'll have to see uh, how that goes. Who knows? who knows what can happen the rest of this year and, and next year. I know what I think should happen, but all I want is to see this uh, stupid Reds team turn it around. Sick of moaning about them. Ready to be excited about a team for once. So, of course, it's football time, so we can all get excited about that. Oh, no, wait a minute. Uh, the Bengals might be better. You've been watching that Hard Knocks series? 
Yeah, I didn't watch any of it last year. I got a brother that's a big Cowboys fan, which is a little embarrassing, I admit. Um, and he was talking about Hard Knocks last year and what a good series it was. And I'd never seen it. So I, I taped the uh, DVR, the first episode of this year's, and just finally got to watch it last night. Uh, that's, you talk about an outstanding television series. I don't watch any television. Um, watch the Andy Griffith show. Um, and uh, as people make fun of me in the game threads for, I like watching the, the funny uh, videos. Uh, a funny video show with uh, my kids, but other than that, I don't really watch much television. Um, it's pretty much sports. Um, but that—that's a, you know, of course, I guess it's sports. But that's an outstanding series. HBO Hard Knocks. Um, be sure to check that out as they're following the Bengals through training camp. Very interesting, and it's interesting to watch Mike Brown. Uh, well, you can see why he's run this organization into the ground uh, just from the first episode. So very, very sad uh, for Bengals fans. Forget the Bengals. We're talking Reds. Now we're done talking Reds. Thanks to all of you for joining us again here on the Red Lake Nation Radio Podcast. As always, you can subscribe via iTunes. And, of course, there's the RN Radio tab up there at the top of the RedLakeNation.com website. Click on that. It's got all the previous uh, episodes of RedLakeNation.com. It's got uh, information about guests, and uh, you can also subscribe from that point. All right. Radio at redlegnation.com. That's our email address if you got any address if you got any questions, concerns, or comments. Thanks again for uh, listening to me ramble on here. For Red Leg Nation, this is Chad Dawson signing out. <laughs> <laughs>